Hello and welcome to Take 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. I'd like to welcome you all back for all our avid listeners and for those of you who might have been tuning in for the first time, you might have just stumbled across this, welcome. So today's episode, I should be talking to you all things biopic or biographical film and it pretty much sums it up in the title, really. I'll be talking to you about various uh, depictions of famous, well-known people in the form of a feature film. Um, I won't be talking, obviously, about any television uh, serial-length fil- uh, biopics in that respect, because this is strictly reserved for film, although I might give the honourable mention at the end, depending on how far we get with some of the examples that we have today for you. Uh, but just a, also a reminder, keep following us on the social media platforms. So on Twitter, it's take 97 podcast at take 97 podcast uh and just tweet me in any can in like any questions you have for me about this episode or previous episodes or any future episodes any ideas you want me to spring on for future episodes in future seasons uh and also just any questions about any of the content that we have today so for this episode like i said biopics um i'm going to be telling you a little bit about a few brand new releases Obviously, they're not out just yet. As the recording of this podcast, uh, everything's kind of still in the air in terms of cinema releases. But at the moment, they have got a projected like release date, so so to speak. And we are looking forward to those very much. I'm very much looking forward to them. I shall tell you more about that later on in the podcast. Um, but first of all, let's just dive straight in. Uh, so one of my... Uh, for those of you, obviously... Uh, a lot of people have been stuck inside over the lockdown period and, you know, lots of people have either taken out a Netflix subscription or they've been actually making more use of their Netflix subscription. Um, and I've got a couple of, yeah, like, two key films that I think that would be quite interesting and very uh, good to get your teeth into, so to speak, to watch on your Netflix account, but also just in general I suggest you watch them if you can get them in any format, be it physical media or streaming. And these two examples are What Happened, Miss Simone. Now, if you know the name Simone, you should know what this is about. What Happened, Miss Simone is on Netflix. Uh, It's a film about the legendary soul singer Nina Simone. And I'm not going to... This one's going to be one of my quick roundup ones i'm just going to tell you the title i just want you to watch it because i i feel it it's really there's no debate on how good a film it is um but i feel you should watch it and now obviously this one is a little bit different because it's not traditionally in the sense a biopic in the sense that say darkest hour or any of the other ones that i'm going to mention today uh where you have a famous actor or actress portraying said historical figure it's a documentary but it's a biographical film in the traditional sense in what a bio the word biopic actually stands for so that's one of my recommendations if you are into your streaming and you you know you're looking for something on there check that out and if you're a music fan uh, especially if you love your soul music i would sincerely encourage you to watch what happened miss simone on netflix another one to watch as well there's one called barry which some of you might already know some of you might not but if you're a follower of american politics 
or just Barack Obama in general. It is, like I just said, about Barack Obama and his formative years leading up to, obviously, showing us the early days of the young man who would later become president uh, in the uh, in the early uh, in the early years of America's <laughs> political history in the two thousands, um, and before all the current shenanigans that are going on right now. But if you if you know if you really because I know that Michelle Obama has been doing a lot of work in terms of like in terms of like promotion information about her and just open honest conversations with herself and. I I feel if you are a I don't want to say a Barack Obama fan because that sounds really bad. Um you know, he's a politician. I mean, you should stand by him for his his policies. Uh but let's not get too political on the podcast. But what I'll basically say is it's very interesting. And I mean, personally for me, I would say that political biopics can get go either one way or the other. They can be either really dry and boring and they'll lose you as soon as you, you know, you're in by like 10 minutes and you're, or even five sometimes, depending on what the topic is. And you'll just be very bored um, because it's literally just, it's all paperwork and boring, 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 boring. Whereas some other ones are much better because obviously in some cases, like in the case of Darkest Hour uh, for Winston Churchill with um, Gary Oldman in it, that one portrays a short period of time for Winston Churchill. It doesn't there's another film called Churchill um with Brian Cox in it as as Churchill I believe. Um in my opinion that one's better than Darkest Hour on the ba- not really I mean both of the actors give brilliant performances but in terms of the way the tone and the way things are, are, co- are dealt with in both of the films Darkest Hour is very intense. And it shows that short period of time, but because of the intensity, I feel that some parts I would argue, in my opinion, drag just a little bit. Um, whereas I don't know Churchill with Brian Cox, it, it flows very nicely, um, and it doesn't go into great detail about heart. You know, for some of the things, it goes quite quickly and fluidly. But at the end of the day, sometimes that's what you want. Other times you want a very in-depth type of biopic where it really explores one real crucial part of that person's um, career, which we'll get to in one of my other examples in just a second. Um, but yeah, so either one of those I would recommend, Churchill or Darkest Hour. It depends on whether you're a Gary Oldman or a Brian Cox fan. Personally, me, I would go for Churchill. Um, but I equally enjoyed Darkest Hour uh, for many, many reasons. Uh, Lily James was very good in her role, in a supporting role for... Churchill's secretary uh and uh, but really that's not really one reason to watch it that's one of a couple of reasons to watch it as well so I feel if you liked Dunkirk which again that's not a biopic but it's set in a specific part of history if you like Dunkirk by Christopher Nolan you might like uh Darkest Hour more because of the tone and the way the whole film is shot but that's completely up to you uh, but yeah, back to the main point that I was making, obviously, um, politicians can be an interesting uh, cornerstone for biopics. Usually they're the number one prime candidate after so many years. You you know, I'm pretty sure in a good once Donald Trump has finished his time as the president, maybe I mean, the way things are going, I would say maybe even two years after he is 
finished his term as president, whenever that may be, um, two years after that final end date when there is no more President Trump, there will be, I'm sure, an abundance of films or people who want to make films about Donald Trump because as much as, you know, love him or hate him, I know quite a lot of people just make fun of him for various reasons and his many tweets, but that's really, you know, the more controversial the the fig- historical figure or public figure, that what that's what makes a good candidate, I suppose, for a biopic. Um and so like I said, obviously this relates all the way back to um Barry, uh, which is available on Netflix, I believe, as well, uh which is about Barack Obama. And so check that one out and um I'm sure we'll be uh, everyone will be looking forward to the tremendous circus that is the Donald Trump biopic. Uh, <laughs> I I mean I probably there's lots of people who probably wouldn't because they they would argue that it would glorify him but at the same time it would be quite nice. I mean in my opinion I think it would be quite good to get a a Donald Trump biopic that didn't you know that wasn't farcical and you know it would point out how you know some of the funny things that uh, and the very odd things that he says. But it would be nice to get a warts and all um, biopic. Obviously, he would never admit to any of it because it's fake news, obviously, and the script would be fake. But saying that, I would say a a Donald Trump biopic is definitely something that we can all look forward to seeing. Not look forward in the sense that it's going to be amazing. It could be terrible. It probably will be terrible. But I, I, I think it's something that even he would endorse, but he would have to have creative and executive producer credit on everything if he if he gave it the official green light if people didn't just do a whole um Seth Rogen uh the interview uh go ahead with that and just do it uh without really any consent at all just go ahead with it and see what happens um but yeah that's an interesting point um obviously I've mentioned politicians and political political based subjects uh one I would like another film I'd like to point out to you it's a very uh, it's probably quite apt at the, for for the moment in the in the way that the world is going um in the sense you know we've all got to open ourselves up to different uh opinions viewpoints and you know information that we might not know uh, already but we want to learn more about um a film that i think is there's a couple of films actually that are about real life um people that really I think everyone who's into film of like the social genre or, you know, just about real life in general, I feel they should watch. So first of all, I'm going to kick things off with the Denzel Washington 1992 film Malcolm X. Now, I can't comment fully on this um, because I've only really I've seen it recently. I have re- I've, I've tracked it, to, tracked down a copy. Uh, I have re- recently watched it and I think I want to watch it again on the basis that I want to experience it um, a second time to really take everything in. Uh, It's a great film. It's very powerful. Um, Denzel Washington, it's another stellar performance by Denzel Washington. I mean, to be honest, anything that Denzel Washington is in, I can't not like. Uh, He was in in Philadelphia with Tom Hanks. Uh, That was a brilliant film. Again, I I believe that was also based on some kind of true events that's another one if you'd like that kind of thing um but he was stellar in that uh but malcolm x that is truly obviously the title character is the very same malcolm x the uh black rights activist uh leader 
uh, who really, really pushed for uh, equality. And yeah, it's a battle that still continues today. And I, I won't go into too much detail about that because I am not the person to sort of talk about it. But it's a film that I feel that I've that you can watch and you can have a good honest conversation with people afterwards it, it's basically up there with you know people say watch a Martin watch Martin Luther King or learn about Rosa Parks you know they're the staples that you should know about but Malcolm X is also one of those and obviously go check that one out it, it's pretty much considered one of the top I'm pretty sure I did I did some research it's one of the top uh, biopic fit in, in like a top 50 list on IMDb and I'm pretty sure it's anywhere else it's listed as a a very very popular and influential uh, biopic uh, Denzel Washington like I said brilliant performance as Malcolm X uh, and I'll le- leave you to give your opinions on that uh, if you've already seen it obviously you might want to watch it again if you haven't watched it in a while but if not um, definitely worth a watch and in terms of obviously I've just talked about so political and social issue based issues uh I did mention at the beginning uh so obviously music stars we talked about the documentary that I highlighted um what happened miss Simone but in terms of the creative um industry there there's quite a few where they use real stories and they sort of fictionalize parts of them and they're not really they're not really true to life. I mean, none of these films, I will put a disclaimer out, none of these films are actually true, 100% true to life, because there's always going to be variation. For instance, like the sources that we get, some of these that people get the information for to write the screenplays, often they're not very, you know, they're either very biased in terms of who came up with the, like, say, the source of, like, the autobiography it's based on, or the people they talk to, even if it's the people themselves, because, you know, um, famously, you know, I've had debates with a couple of people about the Bohemian Rhapsody one, which I'll talk a little bit more about in depth in a minute, um, about how, well, you know, oh, you look at the executive producer credit, it's Brian May and um, Roger Taylor, and they are naturally, <laughs> they're naturally going to, you know, not going to portray Freddie Mercury as the bad guy, uh, you know, totally. I mean, I know the film does show some dark moments, but it's never going to really shine like a really big expose, dark um, ulterior motive uh, for them. So it's pretty much, you know, there's always going to be some inherent bias, whether you, whether they set out to do that or not. So that, that's an issue that you can sort of question whether these, you know, with all these films, you know, how true is true event, based on true events. Um, but really that one, you know, cause for instance, we have a film like dream girls, which allegedly, well, I say allegedly it's largely widely known that the stage show, and the film that was released in 2005, starring Jennifer Hudson and Beyonce Knowles, uh, is very, you know, it's meant to be, you know, it's the story of Motown, really, and the Supremes and Diana Ross. Uh, and also a little bit, you know, just all those classic Motown stars. But obviously it's fictionalised. So, you know, that's an example of taking the real life story, but just replacing all the names and changing a few things up to provide an entertaining a uh, piece of cinema or indeed piece of theatre and speaking of Jennifer Hudson this segues nicely into my next film and it's going to be one of the 
films that I would recommend that's coming out in the cinemas, hopefully. Hopefully it doesn't get a direct-to-streaming release, because this one, I feel, would be... If you didn't get to see it on the big screen, it would be a very big disappointment. So the film that I'm talking about is called Respect. Uh, That is R-E-S-P-E-C-T. And as the legendary singer, the the queen uh, of soul and just everything amazing, amazing woman, amazing voice, uh, Aretha Franklin. Uh, So Aretha Franklin is played by Jennifer Hudson. The trailer has come out now. I may tweet a link to the trailer um to so if you want to have a look or if you know if you want to just look it up yourself do that it's mind-blowing obviously anyone who knows jennifer hudson she has a great set of vocals she pretty obviously she she went from being a pop like a, a pop star contest winner uh i believe american idol uh to dream girls the film and various other projects and she's she guest star on the tv smash and she was recently in the 2019 film cats uh 2020 2019 film cats which obviously not many people like i'm a bit controversial in the sense that i actually liked it but mainly because i liked the music um the visuals were very very strange but jennifer hudson was very good in it and jennifer hudson based on the trailer and her you know, just listening to her singing her own rendition of Respect by Aretha Franklin. You can tell it's Jennifer Hudson. Uh, You know, she brings her own to it, but she still emulates Aretha Franklin. And the intensity of the trailer, like, it's proper, proper drama at the height of its pureness. And that's not even a word, but I'm going to go with it. It's just a brilliant film, and I feel... It would be a shame if it didn't get the big screen treatment, uh, if you weren't allowed to see it in the cinemas um, due to current circumstances. So I hope things are back to some kind of normal and people are allowed, you know, obviously things are slowly getting back to normal. And I hope cinemas are still open and going by the time this gem comes out in cinemas. Um, it is quite a way off, to be fair, so a lot can change between now and then. Uh, this being really, This podcast being released... Um, in 2020 so i feel respect starring jennifer hudson as aretha franklin um that's due out january so at some point in january 2021 so next year uh, from when i recorded this but it's brilliant looks like a brilliant stellar cast it's got forrest whitaker in it um who's recently in rogue one and he was also in um uh lee daniels uh film the butler uh, which showed about uh, it talks about the longest serving um, African American butler of the White House. Uh, again, that's another one actually. It's interesting. Obviously, I think there was some creative licensing in terms of obviously, like any of these, what was said and done in specific time periods. Um, but that's another great one. I highly recommend Forrest Whitaker. Very good. Um, but he stars in it. There's so many talented artists in the story of Aretha Franklin respect so that's due out January 2021 I like I like a good old music biopic so that one I'm very very excited to see so I'm you know I, I I'm literally waiting in anticipation for that one and in terms of obviously I just said I liked music biopics and I said I'd get back to it earlier on 
and that is uh, there's two in particular actually there's they both came out rough, roughly around about the same time so yeah 2018 2019 i believe uh and that is bohemian rhapsody which is the queen biopic or it's mostly it's basically freddie mercury because the majority of the story well all the story focuses on freddie mercury and whilst we do get a glimmer of like roger taylor uh brian may uh you know and all the all the others uh the, you know, everybody else that was involved in queen the management all that everybody really sort of acts as a supporting character to Rami Malek's uh, stunning performance as Freddie Mercury. Uh, Lucy Lucy Boynton, who, who plays his girlfriend, uh, just brilliant, you know, brilliant casting all round, really. I think the guy they got to play, I think, uh, what's it, uh, Gwimlim uh, Lee, uh, I'm, I'm sure I've said his name wrong, but um, the actor, he's a brilliant actor, um, considering he went from being a detect, uh, like a detective um, sergeant on Midsummer Murders on British TV, uh, to playing Brian May, that's a pretty big step up. That's pretty good. And also the same goes for, um, uh, Roger, uh, the the actor who played Roger Taylor, um, I think his name Ben Hardy. He was in uh, the British soap opera EastEnders, uh, and to my knowledge, I don't think he's done much else. He's done a few little bit parts in other films, but that's a big step up. You get to play the drummer in Queen. That's a, that you know, it's such a good cast, um, and they re- it's a brilliant film. It recreated the entire like the Live Aid set from their legendary set at Live Aid in nine in nineteen eighties, uh, and that was such a. It, uh, there's on the Blu-ray, and I think it's available online as well on YouTube. The recreation. Someone's done a video where they've put the recreation for Bohemian Rhapsody of Live Aid, side-by-side side with the footage for um, the original Live Aid. And th- the way some of it... Like, some of it is obviously... it's They've made it their own... It, they've done their own creative thing. But largely, I think for 90% of the time, or even 95% of the time, like, particularly Rami Malek, the moves that he performs as freddy the you know the dance all the choreography with the the dancing with the you know, shuffling across the stage uh choreography with the microphone and even like when he uses a guitar for a crazy little thing called love they match so perfectly i i, I highly urge go onto youtube or you know just find the video somewhere on the internet it's going to be out there because it's brilliant and just watch it and you know watch the film first um if you haven't seen the live aid set before and then watch the side-by-side video, and I guarantee you will love it. And you will think, whoa, the attention to detail there is brilliant. And, you know, I just love it. And also, it's the music of Queen. I, I love films that are driven by music and intense, uh, you know, really strong, powerful soundtracks that have got all the, like, you know, even if it's, like, just happy pop songs or some sad pop songs, you know, when so- music is used in a purposeful way, as I discussed, you know, we were discussing film scores with Ben Doherty the other de- uh, the other po- episode of the podcast. We were talking about scores and how they affect the mood of films and such. And you know, it's very core, very crucial to the core of the film. And that one really is. It's truly an example of you know the songs are there as a supporting act, so the drama is all in the acting from Rami and the rest of the cast. Uh, it's you know it does arguably in my opinion over 
look certain things and obviously there's a few timeline issues because as when you search up bohemian rhapsody on like any like fan sites or like youtube videos you will find several which talk about the differences between what happened and what didn't happen and how the films basically got the timeline wrong because uh, i think we will rock you is is released in the in like the early seven the late 70s or early, uh, early 80s um but it's suggested that it's released at a different point uh, you know there's several songs which they get right <clears throat> but it's very much a case of it's not entirely accurate and that's why i say these films you take them with a pinch of salt and that's what you've got to do with all of them because there's a few creative liberties here and there but you've got to go with it and that really leads me on to the second film that I mentioned, which is the Elton John biopic, which arguably isn't really a biopic. It, I mean, it is and isn't. So it tra- it channels, you know, or it shows you a great wealth of Elton John's life. It, again, like Bohemian Rhapsody, kind of messes with the timeline a little bit, quite a bit. Again, you'll find lots of theories online and, well, not theories, lots of writings online about how... A song was performed here, but it wasn't performed there, and there's there's various arguments about how factual several like moments in the film are. But you know they've got replications of costumes that he wore, stage costumes he wore. Um, but the main point I want to make about Rocket Man is, if you want a serious, gritty biopic, um, then this isn't really going to be your kind of thing. Uh, it's really very much if you like musicals and you like extravagance in all its forms in the cinema then you will like this one because it's very much a case of the uh, enjoy you know enjoyment of his music that's the key to it if you love his music he you know you'll get through the film quite well if you don't really like Elton John music and you just want to watch a film about the fact that, oh, Elton John, he's, um, uh, you know, has he done something bad? You know, we want to see all the bad parts of his life or, you know, how he how he rose to fame and then fell uh, from great height. And, you know, he you know, he managed to pick himself back up his off his feet. You know, you get that. But at the same time, you don't because the music in it unlike bohemian rhapsody where the music is presented as being part of the film like you know the the band are recording a song the band are you know performing a song on a television uh, recording or they're going to live aid like i said they don't really do that in um <laughs> in rocket man rocket man is you know it's a musical it's a musical it's a musical fantasy as they describe it i believe and it's you know, the core of it is a musical fantasy. And you can't really escape that. And because it's Elton John, you know, that's the way forward. Uh, Some people obviously wanted it to be a bit more serious. But it's, at the end of the day, again, it's that inherent, you know, you've got a bit of bias because Elton John's the executive producer on this film. And he wanted it to be, you know... He wanted it to be a warts and all film, and it is in that respect because it does it doesn't shy away from issues of his drink and drug problems and addiction to sex and various other issues that he had and you know issues with his father. But at the same time, it's very much a case of it's going to show you a warts and all perspective of things, but it also presents this lavish fantasy of a musical 
experience really but through the lens of like you know you've got is a it's a culture clash really real life versus the pure fantasy mashed together brilliant film and you know both of them they're kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum bohemian rhapsody if you want more drama in the acting and stuff like that that's you know go for that one and you like queen music on the soundtrack that's fine go for it if you want a musical and a little bit of you know there's warts and all drama but the musical element takes over go for rocket man that's probably your most enjoyable experience in terms of these grounded biopics um so that's what i have to say about those um other ones that i would like to mention uh the imitation game which is about alan Turing, uh and how he struggled with his own well not so much struggled with his sexuality but struggled um you know in in the face of the times that he lived in during the second wave he was a he was a genius you know he helped with the code breaking at bletchley park during the second world war and he was a brilliant um, pioneer of computing technology. But at the end of the day, it was very much a film about his struggle to overcome uh, really bigoted opinions of the time and just try and, you know, he was in hiding. He was hiding his true self. And that's what the, that film deals with. It's a great example of it. And I would highly recommend you watch that one. It's a brilliant film. If you respect, you know, the heroes of the war of the second world war if you know you want to look for something that's about someone real who was truly inspiring to all um not not to say not not just the um lgbtq plus community but also just in as a human being he was genuinely a very sad uh, you know very lonely individual in some respects but he was such a brilliant mind and there's it's such a heartbreaking film i honestly i don't want to say too much because i you know bring take tissues bring tissues with you when you watch the imitation game as it gets closer to the end of the film uh, i would highly recommend that one uh watch that especially if you like anything you know just world war Two based you know about that period of history watch it uh and another one to round round it up again it's in the 50s during the cold war not the second world war there's trumbo which has got Brian Cox in it as Dalton Trumbo, um, one of the many blacklisted screenwriters in Hollywood in the 50s, accused of being a communist. And it's just interesting to see how people's names were rubbed off of productions and pseudonyms were used or other people's names were used in place of that person, even though they got paid. Uh, you know, it's a brilliant, that's a brilliant story. It's got Helen Mirren in it. Again, very, very good casting in that one. Um, I believe she plays Hetta Hopper, uh, one of the gossip columnists in the, uh, in the fifties in Hollywood. Uh, so Trumbo, that's a good one. And in terms of writing again, now we're on to screenwriting. I would say, uh, Capote from 2005, uh, which is kind of loosely based on the, based on the story of in cold blood so the novel in cold blood which is a non-fiction novel which is a very awkward term to use but i i would say if you haven't read the book read the book first then watch the film because then you'll understand it a bit more that's the truman capote novel um in cold blood about two serial killer uh, well two killers sorry who uh you know a robbery takes place at a kansas farmhouse and a whole entire family is massacred 
uh, and the book is very interesting because I've, I studied this in A-level, so you know I, I know this quite inside out. But for those of you guys who don't know it, read the book. It's very interesting, very you know interesting way of doing it. It's a novel in some respects because there's lots of fictional tendencies in there. A bit like what they do in films, really, but uh, for real-life stories. But this one kind of, it really visualises the book then in that respect. And I think Philip Seymour Hoffman as Truman Capote is a brilliant a brilliant example of how you can cast someone to perfectly portray uh, someone in real life and i've listened to like real life recordings of truman capote and he kind he does nail it i i don't mean to sound horrible but toby jones's uh, version of uh truman capote in i can't remember the film's name at the moment if someone can remind me uh let me know tweet me uh but i would i would argue i didn't like his performance as much as philip seymour hoffman's Philip Seymour Hoffman's was much more eerie. It was a brilliant, brilliant um, portrayal of the man, and it's very—I don't know—I—I—I it, it, I didn't know the man. I only—I've only heard <laughs> recordings and seen pictures of him. But he really did emulate that Capote uh, vibe for me personally. I don't know what whatever you guys think uh, as well would be interesting to know if you prefer Toby Jones's portrayal of him or. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, for Truman Capote Uh, but that's another one I'd highly recommend and lastly just to top it off I believe it's the production's been halted but um, I would say I'm very sorry excited is an understatement for the film by Baz Luhrmann which doesn't have a title yet but it's going to be a Elvis Presley biopic film and I'm just interested to see what Baz Luhrmann does with it. Some people love Baz, some people hate him. I personally love him uh, for many, many reasons, uh, for his musical vision and uh, just overall vision, really. I mean, and I'll just be really excited to see how that really turns out, to be honest. Um, So hopefully it'll be coming to cinema screens in 2021, but we'll soon see. Right, so that's all I've got to say on biopics for now, my top picks there. Uh, next episode, it'll be the beginning of a new venture of mine, so like a series of episodes in which I will look at classical Hollywood revisited, in which, so as it says, revisiting classical Hollywood, one particular film per episode, and the t- film of choice next time will be The Wizard of Oz from 1939. So... I highly recommend watching that before listening to the podcast. Uh, Let me know your thoughts on the film or if you have any thoughts about, you know, anything in general to do with this podcast or what I've said before or any topics you want me to highlight next time. Um, But yeah, I look forward to seeing you down on my very own Yellow Brick Road in audio form on the next episode of the podcast. That's a wrap on Take 97. I've been David Ingram. And I'll see you next time. Thank you, guys.